Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Hello, Jake Dunlap. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing good, my man. Excited for the conversation. Excited to have you on, and uh, you're doing something. You know, you have moved into a side of consulting that I really like the idea behind it of shifting over to results-based things. In fact, I can remember sitting right before COVID lockdown hit, and we were at a dinner in uh, Aspen with a bunch of super successful people, a lot of them out of the thoroughbred uh, industry. Most of them had their own farm, thoroughbred farm and everything. And one of them, they knew I had the podcast and they said, uh, I guess they had to ask me something. So they said, what do you think is the way you define a leader? You know, what's leadership? And I said, you know, you got the noisy room, people talking to her. I said, results. There you go. <laughs> you mean it's not just like planning and spinning up like more projects and yeah, keeping busy? Results. And it seems like you're on the same page. So I think we're going to have fun today. And uh, so, Jake, what do people need to know about, you know, people that are good, people are successful, have success. And so I always like to give it's easy to have insanely successful people on and they don't like to talk about their stuff, their success, you know, every modest, it's my team, it's not me. And as a result, people who don't know you can get away with not appreciating, you know, sometimes the worst thing that happens is at the end of it, he says, oh, by the way, we did, you know, $352 billion in sales last <laughs> year or something like that. It's like, why didn't you tell me earlier? So uh, <laughs> I like to let people know right off the bat, at least a tease of who we're dealing with here. And so uh, help me out on that, Jake. Who are we dealing with in terms of somebody who kind of has negotiated the game of business and life and made more right choices than wrong, and as a result has had some success and compounding success. So what would you like people to know about what you've been able to accomplish in business just as a kind of a teaser, if nothing else? Yeah, I'll try to sum it up in a few minutes. You know, it's interesting. I've always been, you know, when I was a kid to a lifelong learner, and a lot of people say that, but I I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process of improvement and getting better and getting better. And I think the thing that separated me in my career that allowed me just like a good 401k, right? The more that you invest in yourself when you're younger and your skill sets, the better off you're going to be exponentially than your peers, you know, over the course of 5, 10, 15, and then, you know, 15, 20 years, it's, you're in two different ballparks. And so it doesn't matter what point you could be 40 and starting over. But I think I've always been able to do a couple of things. One, evaluate my own skill set without judgment. And have fun doing it, you know, coming from a, a sales background into senior sales leadership and starting a sales and revenue operations consulting firm. In order for me to get better, I had to go watch my game film, you know, like a great athlete does. They go and they watch, okay, what did I do? Oh, gosh, I blew that call. That sucked. Okay, better. Next time, next time. And I think 
it's really difficult to build skill quickly if you judge yourself. And I think, again, going back to this lifelong learner, scientific, I was into chemistry for some weird reason, it's the scientific method. You come up with a hypothesis, you test the hypothesis, it works, it doesn't work. And you move on to the next thing. You don't judge and you're like, shoot, I really thought that was gonna work. It's just like, you're always trying to optimize. And I think that mindset for me is what's really separated me early in my career to move into you know being the number one leader out of 20 plus inside sales leaders at uh, career builder for two years in a row during you know 2008 trying to sell jobs to being the youngest national account executive you know where my peers were 50 something years old and I was what 29 to being you know the first VP of Glassdoor Glassdoor then exiting I built the company from zero to one million in monthly reoccurring revenue in about a year and then what six years later they exited for one point two billion and then to starting my own firm where I you know kind of focused on again helping organizations to operationalize and optimize quickly instead of these kind of longer cycles that a lot of teams they kind of get stuck in ruts and they're not optimizing their sales processes or their lead generation process. So I think that the most important thing to know about me and if you work for me or with me is that always growing is one of our values and it's one of my values. And I feel like the people that are the most successful are the people that are able to not judge themselves based on purely the outcomes and also not kind of altruistic answer of like, it's my team, but I push my team. I put, if you, you, I am the worst leader you will have if you don't want to grow, right? And if you can't give me feedback, because I'm trying to grow as well too. So that's really what's driven me in my career, both, you know, good and bad at times, that, that drive to always grow. Well, you know, I've always felt like, uh, Jake, when they analyze prospects for the NFL draft, they always evaluate them on speed and this and their past statistics. And I, it never comes up, never comes up they, where they measure how driven the kid is to improve. That was really, if you go way back, the difference between Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, where, right, it was obvious if you'd thought to ask that question or think about it from that standpoint, who's going to get better and who's going to turn into a, you know, a fruitcake out there, or, you know, he may or may not, you know, but in terms of consistent career, you want to bet your team on somebody who's always improving. In fact, I put that in my book, uh, Serial Winners, like the ABI Prince, we have to name things, you know, you're in sales. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you need a good acronym. Everyone loves a good acronym. Yeah, you have to name things, but it's like always be improving. The people that to be as afraid of is not the guy beating you now, but the guy who's always improving and the company that's always improving. And so you said something in your, a minute ago about you're really aware of, what you're good at and what you're not good at. How did you, you know, I can relate to that. I kind of felt, you know, that dawned on me early on. I think probably because they said it's like a surgeon. A surgeon's really good at the most important thing in that surgery process and doesn't really try and get, worry himself about administration, checking the patient in and scrubbing them up before, you know, surgery and all that. You know, you try and pick what you want to excel at and be happy to admit what you're not good at, you know? And so where did that light bulb come on for you? Yeah, I mean, I, one, I had to work in college. And so I didn't have a big trust fund where I could just sit around, you know, the last two and a half years, I was working 35 hours a week and going to college full time. And, and so one of those jobs that I had was telemarketing. And I just listened to the training. Like they told me to do it this way. I'm like, I don't know any better, I'll do it. And I really quickly noticed that just how people dealt with rejection and 
people like not sticking to plans when it's like this person over here is doing it this way. They're being successful. I'm just going to rip that off and then make it my own and just execute that. And so I think I realized that first in college, I probably didn't totally recognize that skill set in the moment. And then when I went to my first job, so first job, I worked for a major league baseball team, the Tampa Bay Rays. I was fortunate, you know, obviously I wanted to work in sports. Sales was the the avenue to get there. And I'm sitting down next to, I got a kid, this kid went to, I went to Missouri State. Okay. At the time it was called Southwest Missouri State. All right. So two directions that tells you, yeah. you know, and I'm sitting next, there's a kid from Princeton sitting right here. You have all these other Clemson, you know, these schools and I destroyed these kids. And the reason I did, the reason I was so much better than them, and I went from group sales to season ticket to senior account executive to me and another guy running the inside sales team in 16 months, is I was just borrowing best practices, looking for shortcuts. I, there's a guy who's like probably six years older than me. He gave me a bunch of sales books to read. And I'm like, cool, I'm just going to go read these books and execute these plays. And so I think very early in my career, I realized most people just don't put in the work. They think that they're going to get better between nine to five. That's not when you get better. That's when you play. That's when you're playing the game is nine to five, especially if you're in sales or in business, really. You're getting better after hours. You're getting better. I mean, this is back listening to CDs on tape, you know, CDs in your car, you know, I'm Brian Tracy or Zig Ziglar. And so I think I really quickly realized that if I needed to take my own professional development, I, and I don't know what it, I don't know really about this, what it was. I've never looked, now I was very fortunate later in my career to get put in some very great executive leadership training programs, et cetera. But I didn't look at my company as it was their job to invest in my career for forever. I looked at it, that is my job is to invest in my career for forever. And I think that mindset is really different, especially than with a lot of people I see today too, where you're just sitting there waiting to be picked. I never waited to be picked, right? I never waited. I'm going to make you pick me and I'm going to understand. Another thing that I did, and I learned this really early on, I was very fortunate. I had a leader and he told me, Jake, you don't get to choose if, if I promote you to leadership. He's like, you need to understand my expectations of what I look for and do these things, you know, top activity, closing deals is a, a prerequisite, mentor to the team. And that made me realize, you know, when you're working, you've got to reverse engineer outcomes. It's not about what I think is good. It's about what the person who's going to promote me or the customer, or whoever, it's about what they think is good. And so that helped me to orientate away from being a, I'm just going to put my head down and work and do what's smart and said, say, no, forget that. What does this person think is right? And then I'm going to orchestrate all of my energy toward what they feel is the right path, not what my ego says is the right path. So I think those are some of the things as I look back in my career and some you know, fortunate run-ins with different leaders or sound bites that I took to heart that you know, really accelerated my career. I think to a large degree, part of growing up and becoming successful is you go through a process where you break out of the common mentality of I'm gonna work hard and eventually my efforts to be recognized and good things will happen to me. I literally, in my career, had the idea that I'm going to work hard, I'm going to be a good person, live up to my commitment, and then if I do enough of the right things long enough, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and that heaven will open up, and then one day, you know, blessings will be showered down on my head. And then I went to a manager retreat up in Big Canoe, uh, Georgia, on a weekend, and the founder of the company said, 
Larry, you're not money motivated. <laughs> and I thought, well, thank you very much. I thought it was a huge you know, compliment. And he said, no. He said, basically, he didn't say it like this, but was like, no, you idiot. You need to be money motivated because it's so easy to waste your time and pretend you're working and work on the wrong things. And they were like, bing, bing, bing. And I went back and got numbers oriented when I went back, which is nice up into your thing, like results. I went back, I made a few, about three changes about how I worked with the organization. My income doubled three three months in a row back in 1980 and never looked back, you know? And so things, you know, just that thing where you break out of just going through the motions. And so there's a phrase you said that really captures the concept, which reverse engineering results. And I think that's something that, uh, People need to get cemented in their brains. That's it. And it's so funny you mentioned the, the data piece. Again, I wasn't that great at math, but I like stats for some reason. I don't know why. For some reason in college, there's like random classes I did well in. Stats is one of them. And I really quickly took that mindset. I'll go back to the Tampa Bay Rays. You'll like this story. Okay, again, I'm like a hardest working lazy person is how I like to describe like my moves because... I'm always looking for the shortcut. So listen to this. I'm already either number one or number two on the sales team, depending on the month. And we had this inbound sales loop, okay? There's probably like 15 of us on this at the time. And how it worked is if you picked up the phone, it skipped you and would go to the next person, right? Because you're on the phone, inbound lead comes in, right? You want to talk to them. You want somebody to talk to them. So uh, at the end of the first season, I did a scatter plot of every single inbound lead that came in the year before. And I found these everyone. So our CRM sucked. I can't remember what it was called. But I pulled all the data, uh, put it into a scatter. I don't even know how I knew how to do this in retrospect. Put it in a scatter plot. And I found these little windows, like 11 to 11.30, 2 to 2.30, like 4 to 4.30. Yeah, it's kind of like times in the day when obviously like people are probably just working and nobody called in. And so what I did, and again, I'm already a top performer. I don't need to do this. But I'm like, okay, if I just make all my cold calls during these times, that nobody calls in, I'll just get all the inbound. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm sitting there, my peers are sitting there, they're dialing. I'm like, Tampa Bay Rays, this is Jake. Tampa Bay Rays, this is Jake. And after about four or five days, I, my coworkers are pissed, right? And I literally, you'll love this, I showed them the data. I said, guys, look, let me tell you why I'm doing this, okay? I told them, this is why I'm doing it. They go, yeah, we're not gonna do that. I'm like. <laughs> The data is telling you, you should be making the cold calls the same time I am. I showed it to you. So, And then I go back to like other sales jobs. I made sure I knew my metrics. What was my sales cycle? How long were my deals sticking in stages? What was my conversion percentage? How can I get better if I'm not using data to do that? And so I never looked at data as a chore that I did for my boss. It was for me. It goes back to that mindset of like ownership. But they eventually did fix. They, like three weeks later, they fixed this phone system. <laughs> so my, I had like a really nice like month long run with the inbound leads, and then my coworkers they got over it eventually. But that's my mindset, man. Is I'm always using the data. Like I have no going back to the scientific method. I have no super strong opinions. Whatever the data says works great. If your way works great, I'll just borrow that and do that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? Like I have no. I'm not. It doesn't have to be my way. Thanks for listening to The Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, 
We have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.